good afternoon. And how are you? Say blessed. I am very blessed today. I've been very busy, crazy today, but we're here now. And I'm very excited to be with you. Welcome to Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. Anchored in Hope. So we're just glad that you're here with us. And as always, what we do is we answer questions about the Catholic faith. Answer questions that give us hope and following the person of Jesus Christ. And so the first thing we should always do as we do everything is let us pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Great God of love and mercy, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for always holding us close to your heart. Thank you for always challenging us to grow. Thank you for calling us to be holy and to grow deeper in holiness. Father, we need you more than we need our next breath. Help us to surrender everything for love of you as you have surrendered everything for love of us. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, welcome. It's good to have you all here with us today. I'm sorry, my monitor is off in front of me, so I can't see everything that's going on. So unless I was to turn to the side, and they always told me I'm not allowed to turn to the side to look at the side monitor, but I have no idea. It's always something, though, isn't it? <laughs> they were saying, when I do podcasts, I should always be very professional, as if we're always live, always, always live. Uh, yes. I am. I'm being very professional how we're always live. But I'm so glad you're here with us today. Uh, I'm so glad that uh, summer is here too, let me tell you. As I was doing all the things, I got a new priest at my parish and I met with him today. A young guy, 30 years old, half my age. Can you imagine? It's my new parochial vicar. And he will uh, be with us at the end of the month. And so it was great talking to him. He's a great... Uh, uh, just a great guy. I'm very excited about uh, where the Lord's calling our parish. And so please ask you just to keep praying for us as I've been praying for you every day, as I promised, twice a day, every morning and every night. And I ask you to please pray for us, pray for our community. Okay. Uh, again, there's two things that uh, the first week of October, we have Oktoberfest at my parish. So those of you from out of town that can get to Erie, Pennsylvania, you gotta come to our Oktoberfest. It's the first weekend of October every year. And so it starts Friday night at five o'clock where we tap the keg. We have great food. We have great beer. We have great music. We come to see our beautiful church. I have all the masses. And so you can come and be part of us. And it's our it's our just a once a year fundraiser, but it's also, I don't do it for the fundraising only. I do it more so because I love to see our parish come together. We work together and we just together uh, can do some great things. So we spend the whole weekend together. And then that uh, Sunday, of course, we uh, raffle off our Porsche. Uh, this year we have a great Porsche. You can go to our website at uh, www.stjoesbol.org, www.stjoesbol.org. 
St. Joe's, S-T-J-O-E-S-B-O-L.org. And you can get some tickets and uh, you can join us there and win it and get in that car and drive it away. Wouldn't that be a great thing? And so the second thing is that right after that in October, I'm taking uh, me and Sonia Corbett, we're going to Italy. And as we go over to Italy, it's going to be a fine time. Everything's opened up again. And so the the latest news is uh, you don't have to be vaccinated. Originally, they told us you do, but you have to take a, a COVID vaccine. You have to take the COVID test before you get on the plane. And as soon as you come back, that's or as soon as you get to Italy, uh, you have to be tested for COVID. And so uh, that's the way they're doing it. So it's a great price. It's 10 days. We're going to see all kinds of parts of Italy. Uh, we're going to go to Assisi, which is my favorite place. Two nights in Assisi. We're going to Florence. So I think we're going to Siena. So we're going some fantastic places. And we have a fine time when we do these pilgrimages. You know, we're very serious. We do holy hours. We have prayer. But we also have fun. You know, so I encourage you, if you want to come, don't be afraid, come and have fun. Again, for that, just go to our thereasonforourhope.org, 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 and there's a link on there for our trip to Italy. You can also just put Father Larry Richards, Italy, in Google, and it'll also take you to Select International, who uh, does the tour. It's one of the best tour companies ever we always have a great, great time. So I encourage you, come spend 10 days with me. You can out of purgatory early just for that. Okay, so let's get started again. The best way to do this is on the comments section of the YouTube. Just put in there um, your questions and I'll answer them as, as best I can. And we'll also go, we got a lot of email questions and we'll do as many, we'll go back and forth and do as many as we can do. Okay, so... Let's start here. Hi, Father. How do I properly dispose of a scapula that is worn out? The best thing to do is to burn it. You have to, blessed articles, you have two options. You can burn it, and you can burn a scapula easily enough, uh, or you can bury it. Either one is, uh, is allowed. Uh, so you can bury it or burn it. That was an easy question. I love the easy questions. <laughs> so let's hope. Uh, let's go here. Hi, Father. This is from Dan Gilbert. Hi, Father. Uh, my question is, could you please explain what it means to be a practicing Catholic? I have had someone say to me about someone else that they are not a practicing Catholic, and I found it disturbing that she would judge someone like that because they are not going to Mass weekly. I assume that's what she meant. I took it to be very judgmental on her part and wondered, does going to Mass weekly make you a practicing Catholic? Um, oh, this is from Julie. Sorry, it says, thanks, Julie. Well, I, 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 of course, you don't have to be one that goes to Mass right now because people, most places are under dispensation. When we're not under the dispensation, part of going to uh, being a Catholic is going to weekly Mass. Why? Because objectively, weekly missing Mass, when it's not under uh, dispensation, it objectively be mortal sin mortally sinful so objectively again remember what what you have to do to commit a mortal sin it takes serious matter full knowledge full consent of the will but objectively missing mass on sunday just once would be mortally sinful according to the teaching of the church and that would separate you from god if you did it on purpose of course because god wants you to be part of the family now that being said 
we also got to know that God, you can be, you can, for the last uh, almost year now, you can be a good practicing Catholic without going to Mass once, right? Because we're under the dispensation from the bishops. So what it means is to be a good practicing Catholic, in my opinion, is that first of all, you have a relationship with Jesus and you have surrendered your life to his lordship. That means that he is in charge of every part of your life. You know, people like to pick and choose what they think is most important, and they judge other people. What's most important, though, is a person who enters into this relationship with Christ and allows Jesus to be totally Lord of their life. I just uh, finished a, a great book. It was a Protestant book called uh, Not a Fan. I think I talked about it before, but it's called Not a Fan. And it talks about the difference between a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. A fan of Jesus is one that says, Jesus, I'll do anything you want, except uh, no, I'm not going to give up drinking, or no, I'm not going to uh, uh, go to church on Sunday, or no, I'm not going to give up swearing, or no, I'm not going to give up having sex outside of marriage, or no, you know, I'm not going to do that. So that means they're a fan of Jesus, but they're not willing to give up everything for Jesus. To be a true practicing Catholic, it means you have surrendered your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what it takes. He wants everything from you. He wants everything from me. He wants us to fully surrender ourselves to him. You know, when I became pastor uh, at my parish almost 20 years ago now, you know, again, I think I've talked about it before, but a woman, I gave a homily once and says, uh, you know, going to Mass on Sunday isn't enough to get you to heaven. And this woman called me and she was irate. Every other priest before you said, all you have to do to go to heaven is to go to Mass on Sundays. And I said, oh, uh, ma'am, I'm very sorry, but that's just not true. So you're telling me that every other priest before you was a, was a liar. I said, I'm sure that's not what they meant. I'm telling you that they said the only thing you have to do to go to heaven is go to Mass on Sunday. And then after 20 minutes of going back and forth, I finally said, if that's what they said, yes, they were wrong. They lied. How about that? And she was so mad. She called the bishop. The bishop called me up and everything else. Because again, some people think to be a good practicing Catholic means you follow the rules, you obey all the commandments, you go through the ritual of going to church on Sunday, and it really doesn't matter what else you do. That's a lie from the evil one. God wants a relationship with you. And it's not just a relationship where you talk to him. It's a relationship where he is God of every part of your life. So the question always is, is God every Lord of every part of your life? Is there something in your life that you will not let Jesus be Lord of? Will you not let him be Lord maybe of your sexual life? I'll do my sex myself, all by myself. This is what I believe and that's what I'll follow. But you never put it under the Lordship of Jesus. My money, all my money's mine. It isn't God's. I know he could take my breath tonight and I could be damned. I could, I could lose everything and just go not to be damned, but I could uh, die today and it doesn't matter. But that's my money. Everything belongs to God. And when you and I are under his lordship, the only way we're called to live is with our hands open like this, saying, God, take what you want, give what you want. You are in charge of every part of my life. Again, I used to have a thing on my uh, mirror that says, sometimes I think I have fully surrendered. And then he asked me for something that I'm not willing to give up. Is there anything in your life you have not fully surrendered to Jesus? Maybe 
It could be money, it could be sex, it could be drinking, it could be uh, judgmentalness, it could be your pride, it could be thinking that you're the one always right. Uh, that's mine, in case you were wondering. <laughs> Whatever it happens to be, but it always has to come in to the, I need to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ, period. Jesus cannot be your savior unless he's your Lord. I've known many people. I've never met really any except for a few atheists that don't want Jesus to save them from their sins. One of our most popular devotions, one of my most uh, deepest devotions in my life is the divine mercy. God have mercy on me, God have mercy on me, God have mercy on me. And he says, of course I will, but I want to be Lord of your life. No, I just want you to have mercy on me. Nope, doesn't work that way. For him to be Lord, for him to be your savior, he needs to be your Lord. So again, is there anything in your life you refuse to surrender to Jesus? I won't forgive that person. Is there anything in your life you refuse to forget, you refuse to give to Jesus? I won't give up this. I won't give up my time. I won't give up my money. Is there anything in your life that you will not surrender to Jesus? That's the question. And to be a Catholic means you're always surrendering your life to the lordship of Jesus. Not perfectly, none of us are perfect with this, but it gotta be a desire. I believe one of the biggest problems in the church is people just go through the motions. They are cultural Catholics. They wouldn't miss mass if their life depended on it. But they treat people like garbage, they judge other people, they don't take care of the poor, they don't do all the things Jesus commands us to do, and they think, as long as I go through the motions, heaven is assured to me. That's a lie. So we got to make sure, is Jesus in charge of every single part of your life? If not, surrender it to him now. Get on your knees right now and say, Jesus, I completely surrender my life. I repent of living for me. I repent of living, being the Lord of my own life. I want you, Jesus, to take full control of my life, holding nothing back, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and your spirit would give me a new life and a new beginning. And he will. This isn't a game. It isn't a ritual. This isn't superstition. It's a relationship with the God of the universe. But if he's the God of the universe, he gives you the free will to let him or not let him be the God of your life. So, to be a good Catholic means that my life is surrendered completely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ and that I know him because a member of the teaching of the church who made me, God made me. Why did God make me? According to the Universal Catechism and the Old Baltimore Catechism, God made me to know him, to love him and serve him so I can live forever with him. Huh? So do you know Jesus? Do you know God intimately? And the only way you're going to get to know him is by surrendering to him. And if you're afraid of surrender, it's because you don't know him. So you got to just spend time with him. Spend time in his love. He promises. He came and he became a man just to save you. He went to the cross just to save you. He died for your sins so you could live forever. But you have to receive that. And you have to surrender your life completely to him that you no longer live. But Jesus Christ lives inside of you. Got it? Good. Sorry for my mini homily there, but that's uh, <laughs> that's what I do. My glasses, you know, I've been real good with my sugar lately, and now it's messing up my glasses again. 
Okay. Baby priest, I love them. Tell them we're praying for him. You got it, Judith. Okay. Hi, Father Larry. Hi, Chris. Um, last week you mentioned about children being welcome during Mass. Are they still welcome when they accidentally pop a balloon during your homily? Ha, 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 ha. That's what one of his kids did at my church. They're from Greensburg, Pittsburgh, but they came to Erie to visit, and they popped a, a bot. Yeah, they're always welcome. Always. Maybe not the fathers aren't always welcome, but the kids are always welcome. Sorry, Chris. I, I can't. I can't. I have to say something. Anyway, so good job. Okay, good afternoon, Father. Will you be doing another pilgrimage to Italy next year? Nope, just this year. Next year, I think we're going to, I know I'm going to the Holy Land. Uh, John Edwards and I in 2022 or 23, I don't know, but uh, Holy Land's one of my favorite places, and so we're going to be doing a pilgrimage there either next year or the year after. Uh, but now I'm doing a lot more pilgrimages, which I've never really been a big fan of, but I can see all the graces that happen from them. So one of the things I want to do too is I want to go to um, I want to go to England. I want to uh, go to these places where, uh, like C.S. Lewis and that had uh, tea and all that kind of stuff, and really see all that uh, Catholic England. You know, um, eh. so that's where I'm gonna. That's one of the places I want to do is go there too. Okay. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Good afternoon, Father. Okay, another pilgrimage. Why? What is your advice for a newly married couple? I just had spiritual direction for one of my uh, guys who's discerning seminarian, but we're also talking about marriage. And so as I was just talking to him about the reality, I says, the biggest sadness to me is that, in this regard anyway, is that I am more intimate with more women and men who are married than they are with their spouses. Now, let me explain that. That sounds kind of weird, doesn't it? <laughs> but still, not in the way you're thinking. But I'm more intimate because why? I see these people's souls when I, they go to confession. So there's a great intimacy there. I get to see their soul. And often, married couples never share their soul with their spouse. And how sad that is. You know, married couples can have great sex. They can do all this stuff. They can make lots of money. They can have fun together. But unless you share your soul, you're always going to be kind of empty. There's always going to be a piece missing. That's why, again, when I'm doing marriage counseling or when I'm preparing people for marriage and there's less and less happening, people getting married in the church, more and more people are getting married outside the church, which is a problem, but that's another issue. But when I'm getting them ready to get married, I always say, what I want you to learn to do, first of all, I ask them explicitly, are you having sex before marriage? Now, I can say that about 90% of the people say yes, in my experiences of being a priest these last 32 years. And that's, again, another sad thing. And so what I always do is I say, I want you to stop. And then they'll look, you know, usually the guy looks at me like, drop dead father but once i had a couple and after i said that i want you to stop she says thank you father <laughs> and she would literally call me because you know, it was six months and because it was six months before their wedding and i said i want you to stop and the guy they said well what, what, what do you expect us to do father i said i want you to pray with each other because praying with your spouse is the most intimate two people can be 
Any dog, any animal can have sex. That does not create intimacy. And that's the sadness of it all. People look at it to create intimacy, but even if it's the best sex ever, if there's no spirituality there, then it's empty. That's an issue. So before you do anything with the person you're going to marry or the person you're marrying, you need to pray with them so you can have spiritual intimacy. And then the act of sexuality is an expression of this deep intimacy. What's going on spiritually is then expressed physically. You know, again, God created us for that act. Increase and multiply was the first commandment out of God's mouth. This isn't dirty. It isn't something we shouldn't talk about. The problem is we don't talk about it enough as a church. And people get embarrassed. And then, so where do they learn what sexuality is and what marriage is? From TV, from books, from things that are not of God. There are books and TV that are of God, of course, but usually it's TV shows and, you know, the, the Simpsons, for goodness sakes. God's calling us to do so much more, to go so much deeper. But it all begins when a husband and wife learn to be intimate with each other and with God in prayer. And so that's more than just saying a rosary together or saying Divine Mercy Chapel together because that's doing a ritual together, which is very good. But God wants you to go even deeper, and especially you guys are going to struggle with this. You know, so again, it's kind of like, so how does this, what does this look like? Let me, let me explain to you what this looks like. It's like every night before you go to bed, the husband should take his wife in his arms and say, God of the universe, I thank you that you have given this woman to be my wife. I ask you to bless her. I ask you to give her strength. I ask you to help her to know how much you love her. Help her to know that I am here and I give my life for her that she may truly be your beloved daughter. I ask you to continue to bless her and protect her and protect our family. In Jesus' name, amen. And then the wife makes the same type prayer for her husband. And then what happens later on when God blesses you at your 10 children named Larry, 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 did I have 10? Larry, every night you invite your kids in to pray with you. You create a spiritual intimacy with your family. And again, it's got to go deeper than just saying a proper ritualistic prayer because you can say prayers and still be an atheist, right? You can say any memorized prayer. Some people just memorize prayers and say them real fast before they go to bed but isn't an encounter with the living God. God is calling you and me into this deep intimacy and encounter with him. So you pray together and then you teach your family how to do that from a young age. And so your whole life, you're praying together. Now, some of you might say, that sounds Protestant, Father. That's what we call Christian. You and I must, must, must grow in this intimacy with Jesus. And again, It'll make you embarrassed, right? Because we're afraid of intimacy. But you don't need to be afraid of intimacy with God. So I hope that helps. Okay. Let's go on here. They moved this for me. I'm sorry. Let's get back here. So let's go here. Which of the seven sins? Okay, I think I already dealt with some of these. Yes, I did. Do people of other religions or people who don't believe in reconciliation go to hell? Again, let's always go back for these type questions. 
people will sit there and say, well, this saint said this, this saint said this, this saint said this. I'm not interested in what some saint says. I've read a lot of saint books, and I will continue, of course, because they have great insights. But we don't go from only a teaching of a saint, because saints can be wrong. They've been wrong in many, many, many things. Even the great Thomas Aquinas was wrong. I think it was either he didn't believe in the Immaculate Conception or the Assumption. I forget which of those two that he didn't uh, agree with. And then they worked on because he didn't, he didn't have, he did not have infallibility. Sorry, some people think that he was infallible. He was not. None of the saints are infallible unless they were popes and they were speaking uh, in the, with the magisterium of the church. So what I'm saying is, when it comes to this, what does the church say? And Vatican Council II, which is something you must believe in if you're a Catholic, then it sits there and says that even atheists, if through no fault of their own are atheists, they have hope of heaven, right? And again, so when you read this stuff, and I read it a lot when I was on EWTN, I kept pulling out the, I don't have it with me here, but I'd pull out the catechism and I'd say, this is what the catechism says, and this is what Vatican II says. So this is the official teaching. So yes, everyone, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he redeemed the whole world. Like when Adam and Eve sinned, we all went in to original sin. We didn't do anything to deserve it. It was just we are born into it. The same when Jesus Christ redeemed, he redeemed everybody. But we have to receive that that God has given to us, what Jesus did on the cross. And salvation comes when you and I have surrendered our life to the Lordship of Jesus. We talked about earlier when we go to confession or repent. But even this, like, again, even as I've talked about before, just to go to confession isn't enough. What's necessary for forgiveness is repentance. So you go to confession, but you're saying, I'm never going to do this again. So it's always deeper. So again, people who God says that he'll judge each person according to their conscience, that's said through the church. So if you don't know anybody, that's why, for instance, again, to go back to a mortal sin, you can never tell someone they're in mortal sin, correct? Always you can say they did a serious sin because you don't know their conscience. You don't know if they had full knowledge. You don't know if they had uh, full, uh, full consent. You might know that they had serious matter. Oh, they missed mass on Sunday. They got drunk on purpose. They had sex outside of marriage. They looked at porn, whatever it is. They might have serious matter, but you don't know those other two things normally. So, you could never say you're in mortal sin. So when people go around telling people they're going to hell on different things, like I talk about going to hell a lot, <laughs> but I do it not for judgment. I do it for shock. You know, like, you get it? You get it? Your, your eternal soul is, uh, is uh, in danger. So you got to sit there and get it. And I always get on people's cases most because they're not loving, because they're not seeking God's will. They're pushing their own will instead of, or they're not forgiving, or they're not reaching out to the poor, or they're not uh, living pure lives, and they don't want to. You know, they're just living life for themselves. And God calls any of us to, so we have to go deeper. So I hope that helps. So can someone, yes, of course, they can go to heaven uh, and not go to hell. Okay, let's continue here. What is the status of your book, Father? 
Why do people keep asking that? <laughs> it's where everything else, uh, it's still there. I'm still working on it. Hopefully, you know, I can't tell you. I mean, my staff here, my director is always like hinting about the book. You know, when you do this book, Father, you know, when you get this book done, I know. The, 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 the problem has been with me, and this is an excuse, is that I'm a pastor and I've been running my parish for the last 20 years, primarily myself. I'm going to get help, so that's going to give me help. I'm on the road usually about 45 times a year. Now, with all that being said, you would think that I could have done it over COVID, correct? Because I wasn't on the road, you know, everything was closed. I wish I wasn't disciplined enough. You know, I was kind of like, uh, I got fat. I just start getting back on my uh, fasting and everything and no carbs and getting my sugar back in line. You know, I worked out every day. I did all this stuff. I always do my whole ER. That was always uh, non-negotiable, but I really went off the deep end when it came to eating and everything else uh, because primarily I was completely alone, you know, and it was not a good reality. So, but it's coming out. Don't you worry. I was just, I've been, uh, just this morning, I was praying about how maybe I can do like a, a half hour, an hour every morning. Cause again, I get up early enough and I have the time. So maybe start working a little bit of time. And again, it's just the editing. The problem is, is that every time I start editing, I want to almost rewrite the book. Like I want to rewrite my be a man book. I want to rewrite surrender and they need to be updated. They need to uh, uh, be growing. And so that's what's happened. It's taken me 10 years to write this book. And that's because every time I sit down, I almost always rewrite it. <laughs> that's the problem. So again, but I keep saying the Lord, uh, it's the Lord's book. If he wants me to get this out, I keep thinking he pushes it off, pushing it off in his time. So it'll come out in his time. Okay, let's see. Why did Jesus curse the fig tree? The reason Jesus cursed the fig tree is that it did not produce fruit. And the same thing happens with us, if you will. It's, a, it's a, a parable to talk about us in our own life, that we need to bear fruit. Now, again, let's talk for a moment what fruit is. Fruit is about others. It's not about yourself. So again, if you watch our daily mass, you can go back and watch the mass. It's on YouTube. Today is the June 10th and watch the homily. And if you don't, you, so you don't have to watch the whole 20 minute mass or 25 minute mass. You just go into the homily. And so the homily today, someone made a comment to hear, today was another wire brush homily. Wire brush meaning it's kind of a harsh thing to get uh, clean the reality. And so I just sat there and I says, um, we need to be going deeper. Jesus says, unless your uh, holiness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. The scribes and the Pharisees did everything for themselves. They follow all the rules so they can go to heaven. If you go to daily mass, if you say a rosary, divine mercy chaplet, do a holy hour, but if it's only for yourself, your fruit stinks. If you do all these things so you can only so you can go to heaven, your fruit stinks. Because fruit is not for yourself. The fruit of any tree is to give food to others so that they can live. There must be fruit in our life that feeds other people every day that gives them life. So again, as I was talking to my spiritual director, I says, so since I was, since I came to Jesus at 16, 
truly my number one goal in life is to bring everyone I know into an intimate relationship with Jesus. And so sometimes I do that quietly. Sometimes I do that strongly. Sometimes I do that yelling and screaming. But the point is to bring people to this intimacy with God. It has to be my whole life when I stand before God is was I other-centered. Did I bear fruit that begot life in others? And so that must be the same with you. Are you bearing fruit? Are you doing these things? Do you pray every day? Do the Divine Mercy Chapel? Do you all do that so you can become more loving, so you can become more caring? Not just so you can go to heaven, because again, the Pharisees were focused on, I want to go to heaven. That It's not about you. You got to know this. And when you give up your life the way Jesus does on the cross, this is, wasn't about him. It was about giving away. He bore fruit for eternal life, even though it killed him. And so this must be the type of life we live. That's why these people drive me completely insane when they're following all the rules and they're mean and miserable to other people and they're just talking about who's going to hell and you know you have to do this. This is what you got to do to go to heaven. Really? Is that what we're about only? So I can go to heaven. Well, of course, it's got to be what it's about. But going to heaven means you're giving your life away for others. That's the key. Jesus says anyone who seeks their life will lose it. Anyone who loses their life for my sake and the sake of the gospel will find it. It's even eternal life. If you're just doing everything so you can get to heaven, everything you do is out of selfishness. We need to do what we do for love of God and for love of others. That's why we do it, not for our own salvation only. It's a byproduct. We'll get saved when we surrender and die to ourselves and live for Jesus and live for others and bear much fruit. Okay, hopefully that helps. So let's go on here. Father Larry, is there a mass schedule of what priests preside at each weekend mass for your parish? Yes, there is. It's on the bulletin if you look in the bulletin. But the best thing to do is call the parish office. Um, usually, if I'm in town, which is most of the time, I always have the 11 o'clock mass on Sunday morning. Almost, always. Uh, very rarely. Like the end of this uh, month of June, I'll be out of town at uh, um, CMLA the uh, Catholic Men's Leadership Alliance. So I'm the spiritual director for that. So I'll be gone that whole weekend. But normally the deal is I'm there every Sunday at 11 o'clock mass. But you can always call uh, before you get there and they'll be able to tell you if I have the mass or not. 10 hours away from your parish. Yeah, you better call. <laughs> Absolutely. And come, come an Oktoberfest. You'll have a fine time. You come to mass, you have some good food. Oh, it's great. Anyway. Father, I feel so lonely because I'm the only one practicing my faith. Even groups at church aren't very welcoming, I know. Do you have any advice in finding connections with other Catholics? I always say the best thing to do isn't to seek uh, uh, community, but start community. Meaning that you, you ask if you could put in the bulletin that you want to start a Bible study or you want to do a... Uh, uh, readings for this weekend like we're we're, we're going to redo our whole website 
And so the website uh, for the foundation is going to have everything very organized. So you'll be able to look in intuitively. Like right now, I can't find a lot of my stuff on my own website. So we're redoing all that. So within by the fall, we're going to have a totally new website. And we're going to have an app, you know, so people will just be able to carry that thing and the reasons for our Hope Foundation uh, on an app. And uh, one of the things I want to put in there is that there's a lot of men's conferences uh, or men's groups that they get together and they'll read the Sunday homilies for the, the Sunday readings for the, the upcoming Sunday. Now, you don't have to be a man to do this. You could do it in a women's group. You could do it in a mixed couple. You could do anything. You just get together the week before, you, uh, you know, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday before uh, a Sunday, and you read the weekend masses coming up. And so all my masses have been recorded, all my homilies for the last oh, about 30 years, 25 years. So it's a cycle of every three years. So there are at least 10 homilies for every one of the cycles. So you can sit there in a group. You can go through, as if you're the leader of the group, go through ahead of time and pick a homily and pick a 10, you know, they're all under 10 minutes. And you pick a 10-minute homily and then you can read the readings together, listen to a homily, and then discuss it. So you can just, Start your own uh, prayer group, if you will, where you don't have to do anything except read and listen and discuss. And then that can really build community. Because, again, like you were saying, sometimes people aren't welcoming, but you're not the only one who feels that there. So if you decide that you want to put that out and just start something like that, you can be the one that creates community. And, again, when you become more concerned about others, that's when the loneliness becomes less. When you're looking for someone just to, you know, someone come out and reach out to me and make me feel less lonely, the, often the loneliness intensifies. So think about something like that. It's, a, it's an easy enough uh, thing to do. Uh, it takes a little courage in the beginning. I get it, I know. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do anything. And I think that'll really set you on the right path. Okay? So let's go here. If God loves everyone and everything, will he give demons and fallen angels a chance to redemption? I don't know. That's the best way for me to say it. I just think, you know, like uh, in Paradise Lost and Paradise Found and all the history that uh, even if the devil, if he was to repent, could be saved because of what Jesus did. But the problem is because the devil has free will, and he's too prideful, and he only wants to do things his way. Again, if you ever read, uh, you know, where uh, Dante's hell is the deepest level where Satan is, it's freezing cold, and he's stuck in the bottom of hell, and in this, in this lake, his legs are frozen in this frozen, eternally frozen lake. But the thing that keeps the lake frozen is his wings constantly go, and his wings are trying to constantly, I will not serve, always trying to do things his way, always trying to get out. So it's his own uh, pride and his own vanity that keeps him stuck in hell. But if he was to stop, put his wings down, and humble himself before God, he would be set free. Now, that's not the teaching of the church, but it's an analogy to show that the will of God, you know, again, like I talked last week, if you remember, that when God said to Adam and Eve, if you do this, you will die. God is a God of justice. His justice must be fulfilled, or he's a liar, and God is not a liar. So after he gave that to the people, 
they sinned, they had to die. Excuse me. But God loves us too much to leave us in death. He didn't create us. Excuse me. He didn't create us for that. He created us to be with him. And so how does he fix it? How do I fix this? I know I will become one of them. And then I will pay the penalty for their sins. I, myself, in Jesus, will fulfill my own justice. And so the God of the universe becomes a man. He dies on the cross, and he pays for our sins. It's nothing that we do. Again, I've been talking this past week again, that one of the greatest sins or one of the greatest heresies in the Catholic Church today is Pelagianism. Again, Pelagianism is I got to earn my own salvation. A neo-Pelagianist believes that God does 50% and I do 50%. Neither of them are Christians. A Christian knows that we're saved by grace, what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Now, we have to accept that through faith and works, but we don't earn that. Again, what is the most perfect example of grace? The Immaculate Conception, right? Mary while she was in the, when she was conceived between Joachim and Anne, her parents, the moment she was conceived, she was preserved by grace of all original, all sin. Why? So that she could be the mother of God, Jesus, and he could not take uh, sinful flesh and, and take, become part of sinful flesh. So the reason we believe in the Immaculate Conception isn't for Mary. It's for Jesus. He could not take sinful flesh upon himself, so he had to preserve his mother from original sin. But Mary didn't do anything. She did nothing to earn that. It was the grace of God. None of us deserve salvation. None of us can earn what Jesus did for us until you come to truly know that you are saved by grace, you're going to try to always be worthy enough. You do what you do because once you surrender your life to God and repent of your sins, then he lives his life inside of you. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can live a tremendous life of holiness because of God inside of you. You can't do it. Only God can do it inside of you. And so that's the point again and again. We surrender our life to Christ. We let Christ take over our life. We earn, we don't earn our salvation. Jesus earned it for us when he died on the cross, but we receive that through our prayer and through our works, our faith and our works. Huh? So again, it's what Christ does and how we receive it. Again, the best way for me to explain this is you're born in the bottom of the lake or the ocean. You're dead or dying, and there's nothing you can do. Your feet are stuck in the ocean. Jesus comes down with an eternal oxygen tank. He takes this eternal oxygen tank, and he gives it to you, and then he dies. You have to take that free gift that he has given you, put it on your mouth, and then you got to breathe in, and you got to breathe out. Totally grace that was given to you, the reason you were saved. But now you got to breathe in and you got to breathe out. Faith and works. Faith and works. 
faith, and works. But it's what God did for you, not what you did for God. All the air is his. It's not yours. And that air is the eternal Holy Spirit that gives you the power. So again, you have to watch who you will call yourself. Some people want to say, I'm just a sinner. And if that's who you are, then you're going to always have an excuse to sin because you're just a sinner. You call and you define yourself by your sin. How sad is that? God doesn't define you that way. How does he define you in Mark chapter 1, verse 11? Because everything that happens, Jesus happens to us. You are my son or you are my daughter with whom I am pleased. That's who you are. It's what God has done for you. God adopted you. Now you have to act like a true son. You have to act like a true daughter of the father. But that's who you are. You're not just a sinner. You are beloved to the father. You got to know that deep in your heart. Okay, so let's go on. Please tell me to get off social media to save my soul so I'll have some good excuse to quit Facebook and Twitter. I ain't telling you to do nothing. If God tells you to do that, do it. I go on Facebook and Twitter every day, not to read anything, but to post hope. You can go on there, but don't read anything. Because, and don't post anything unless it's hope. You know, Jesus came to proclaim the good news. We come and proclaim garbage. So, and we read it. I mean, literally, when I fall into it, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm uh, posting my morning or evening tweet or posting my morning and evening scripture verse on uh, Facebook or any of those things, if something catches my eye and I start going down that rabbit hole, I always feel horrible. Always the way I read things. And to tell you the honest to goodness truth, I have had to block so many Catholics because they're so nasty. I mean, just nasty in their judgment about so many people, of the bishops, of the Pope, of other Christians, of other Catholics, you know, just horrible. And I can promise you that's not of God. Promise. And yet we can get sucked into it. Like the other day, I was sitting there posting something and something caught my eye and I go, oh, you're kidding. And I went to respond to something that someone wrote and I go, nope, not gonna do it. And turned off the thing and went out. So if you wanna bring hope and bring light into the darkness, do it. If you can't handle it, then get off it, okay? But do what God tells you to do, not what Father Larry tells you to do. And if God tells you and the way you can tell what's what God's speaking is he'll give you peace. And that's very important that you know that. Now, again, someone took me to task uh, uh, a couple of months ago and says, oh, yeah, Father, talk about peace. That's all new wave stuff. Are you out of your mind or new age stuff? That's the oldest thing in Scripture, how we know in his will is our peace. Read stuff from saying that, uh, um, the guy who founded the Jesuits. You know, again, most people, I just don't think they pray enough to have true discernment of spirits and to have peace. They just follow what other people say and listen to other people. They're not listening to God. You need to listen to God. And if he tells you to get off Twitter and Facebook, then get off immediately. But he got to tell you. And you'll know because you'll have peace about it. Okay, hope that helps. Okay, how do we deal with the knowledge that we have led others into sin? Good question. Again, 
repent that you did that, and then say a Divine Mercy Chaplet for them. You know, so again, you sit there and you, you put their name in there. Let's say you uh, led someone into sexual sin or you led them uh, into sin with your gossip or your judgment and you in, brought them down into your own judgment of other people uh, and different things. So then when you do that, just say, uh, say the uh, Divine Mercy Chaplet for their good and the good of their soul because you hurt their soul when you led them into sin. If you led them into mortal sin, you killed their soul. Huh? So again, I used to tell my boys, I'd say, you know, if you're, are you having sex with your girlfriend? You have father, but I love her. And I'd say, you really love her. I love her so much, father. I said, if you loved her so much, you would never put her soul in danger of damnation. Now, would you? So here you are, the two of you, and you have sex, and then she gets in a car, and she drives home, and she gets killed in a car accident. She can go to hell forever because of you. You put her soul in danger of damnation. If you loved her, you would do everything in your power to save her soul. You'd never put her soul in danger of damnation. But again, so people have come to me afterward and says, well, I did, Father, what am I supposed to do? Repent, say, I'm never going to do that again, and then say a Divine Mercy Chaplet for them or go to Mass for them and have that Mass intention, uh, your private Mass intention be for them to let the love of Jesus on the cross, what he did at Calvary, the Mass is the most uh, perfect prayer that we got. So when you go to Mass, say, Jesus, I offer up this Mass today in my heart and in my life for the person I led into sin. And then God can bring wholeness of what you brought woundedness to. Okay? Good. Okay. There appears to be a miniseries called Not a Fan as the author of the book you mentioned, Kyle Eidelman. He is, absolutely. I haven't seen the miniseries, uh, but the book is fantastic. In fact, I just gave it to one of my spiritual directees, and I says, uh, I know it's a Protestant book, and people go crazy. It can't be any good. It's heresy. Oh, it's like there's good cat. There's uh, Catholics that are doing all the right things that are still living in heresy and plagianism and that. There's still great uh, grace there. And what happens is, is so often in our Catholic books, and I'm a Catholic author, okay, that sometimes we're not practical enough. We just give ideas about, well, say this or do this, whereas sometimes Protestants can get real detailed. You know, like he talks, goes explicitly about, is Jesus a fan? Are you a fan or are you a follower? And at the end of each chapter, he just gives you that. Are you a fan or are you a follower? And again, I've been following Jesus since I was 16 years old, truly following him. But when he asks these questions, I go, oh, I have to go deeper. I have to go deeper. The Lord's calling me to go deeper. See, sometimes people want things to be one and done. You know, that the way you were 20 years ago, you're doing the same thing now. No, no, no. If you're doing the same thing 20 years ago and you're doing things now, you've been dead for 20 years. Because if you're not growing, you're dying or dead. You need to always be growing in the spiritual life especially. That's why it's important. Teresa Avila said she couldn't go to pray in the beginning without taking a spiritual book. And that would be a, 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 a diving board that would take her into deeper prayer. And so I've been constantly reading these books you know, two or three a month just calling me to go deeper. And I read Catholic books. I read Protestant books. I read uh, Lives of the Saints. I read documents. I read the Pope's books. I read, uh, you know, all these books because I want to go deeper and deeper and deeper because I don't know everything. 
I don't know if you didn't know that. I know everybody thinks I think I know everything, but I am. The older I get, the more I know, I know nothing. Especially, I don't know Jesus enough. All the time I spend with him every day, it's not enough. I got to go deeper. I got to go deeper. I got to go deeper. And that's what we all got to be doing. So reading all these type of books, you just got to always do it with the sermon. Okay, see, they give you a Protestant uh, uh, theology in one or two parts, then you dismiss that. But you take the other parts, and it can be really good. Now, again, I know people will sit there and uh, quote this and say, see, Father Larry's not of God. Look at he's a Catholic priest. He calls himself a Catholic priest, and he's read Protestant heretical literature. Yes, isn't that something? And like I always say, may God judge you the way you judge me forever. Isn't that nice? I know. I'm going to hell. I know. So anyway, let's go on. Yes. Hello, Father. How do we see heaven and when we see our souls without bodies, the angels or spirits, the Father and the Holy Spirit are spirits? I don't get it, Jay Susan. Well, you will have your body in heaven. That's what we believe. The spirits are in different reality totally. Angels are, uh, do not have a corporal being, a physical being. We will be like Jesus. Jesus still has his body, but a resurrected body. Jesus ate after he was resurrected. Jesus, though, at the same time could go through uh, solid walls. He was in a building and he appeared though all the doors were locked. So we're going to get a resurrected body. And so that's why at the last judgment, you get your body back either to resurrected to eternal glory or to eternal damnation. It's a physical pain forever and ever in hell, according to a lot of the teachings of the saints. But when you get your body back, this is, we say this every creed, right? I believe in the resurrection of the body. So what we're saying is we're going to get our bodies back. So you'll be able to see, you'll be able, like uh, me and a uh, priest were having dinner a little bit ago, and he says, uh, he says, I hope, you know, after one of the resurrection accounts I was uh, talked about, you know, Jesus ate fish. Do you have anything to eat? And he gave him a piece of fish. I said, we better have more than fish in heaven. He goes, what? We're not going to eat in heaven. I said, of course we're going to eat in heaven. What do you mean we're going to eat in heaven, he says. I said, did Jesus eat after the resurrection? Well, yes. Well, everything happens to Jesus happens to us. He shows us what the resurrection is like. A human being, by definition, is the unity of a body and a soul. You and I will be human beings forever, just as Jesus in the hypostatic union is 100% God and 100% man at the same time. Jesus still has a physical resurrected body, and so shall we. Aren't you excited? I just hope I'm not as fat uh, when I get the resurrection. I'm not as gray and, you know, that kind of stuff. But who knows? Who knows? I might even be worse looking. Never know. doesn't matter. But I know I'll be loved by God, and that's what's most important. Okay. Hi, Father. Uh, well, let's go here. Will my daughter forgiven heaven? If she's in heaven, she's already forgiven because you cannot go to heaven without haven't forgiven everybody. Remember, uh, after Jesus teaches us the Lord's Prayer, he says, if you forgive others, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive you. So by definition, to go to heaven, you must have forgiven everybody. 
why it's very important. C.S. Lewis once said, we must forgive or be damned. Now, forgiveness is an act of the will. It isn't a feeling. Feelings go away sometimes. Sometimes they don't. But it doesn't matter. You do something, an act of the will is very simple. Jesus, I forgive them now forever. And Jesus, I ask you to forgive them. It's a done deal. So, if she's in heaven, she's already forgiven. Hi, Father, what is the reason that some priests lean over to speak on the bread and wine during consecration? Well, because it's, uh, you're saying the, the words of consecration. I remember, you know, again, someone emailed me a couple weeks ago and was taking me on. They hated the way I said Mass. And they said, why don't you say Mass the way you're supposed to say Mass, Father, in Latin with your back to us? And they forget the theology that the priest, when he's saying Mass, is in persona Christi Capitus, means he is the head of the body of Christ. He is Jesus Christ when he's saying Mass. So when Jesus says this, this is my body and the bread and wine become his body, it's Jesus saying it through the priest. And so some priests want to call, and I, if you look at me, sometimes I do it, but I always bring up the cup and I'll say, I'll breathe into the cup. And I'm like, I'm pouring myself into this cup. I'm pouring myself into this bread. So the priest is Jesus, and he's pouring himself into the elements of the bread and wine. And so people can do that by whispering, by going closer, by breathing into it. Like the spirit of the living God is making the reality of God present now in the most blessed sacrament. But he's doing it through the priest and in the priest by the power of the Holy Spirit. So people have to do it in different ways, but that's why a lot of people would. Okay, one more question, and then I gotta go. Do, 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 do. Okay, I can't get to all these right now, so I'll just sit there and say goodbye to you. Again, Thank you so much for spending time with uh, me this past hour. It's one of the, become one of the joys of my life is to come and spend time with you. Um, and again, you don't have to agree with me. I'm not always right. I try the best I can to do God's will and to speak only the truth. I always pray to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to take control, but I only speak truth. But again, if anyone's in, uh, not infallible, it's me. I'm very fallible. So if you don't agree with me or you think I said something wrong, don't be nasty about it. It's not my intention. I only want to speak the truth as best I can. So pray for me if I did something wrong. Put it to my attention in a nice way. And again, I will repent. Of course I will. I just want to make sure that I'm doing God's will and I'm leading you in God's will because, you know, once you come here and start listening to me, then I become partly responsible for your soul because I, what I say to you could either lead you to God or lead you away to, from God. So it's a, it's a very important reality that I make sure that I'm praying and I'm speaking his word and not my own. So please pray for me and know that I pray for you every day, twice a day, okay? I love you. Pray for me. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Now we're going to give you this great outro, which sounds very much like